300 verses in the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to preach 33 lessons, so it's pretty easy, 10 verses, 10 verses, 10 verses, and then a couple of uh, introduction one and a closing one, pretty well got her. And so this morning I'm going to do uh, the second of the series that I'm doing at 8 o'clock. The first one is uh, background, authorship, all that kind of stuff, so I didn't want to do that, so I'm going to do number two. And typically the 8 o'clock I got 50 minutes, and this morning I have uh, 25, so I'm going to talk 200 words a minute. And, uh, and so you write fast, I'm gonna, we'll get it covered, and uh, so it's a lot of information, but uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. Number one, Jesus was and is God. The book of Hebrews is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And uh, he's writing to those who are falling away. Many of them are Jewish, and they believe that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And because of the persecution that begins to take place, they decide to go back to their former way of operating, of believing, of living. And so a lot of information about Jesus, who he is, what he did. Jesus was and is God, the second person of the Trinity, infinite, infinite, and eternal, without beginning or end. He was, he, ha- uh, he has always existed with the Father. So that's a message of the book of Hebrews, uh, who Jesus is, what he's done. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 is how he starts out. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, again, the fathers, Jewish people, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those are the fathers. And so God spoke to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So the fathers, they got the prophets today. We have Jesus speaking to us, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And you could stay there a month on who Jesus is. Number two, Jesus is omnipotent. Now, the attributes of God, and generally we'll use three terms uh, for the attributes of God, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And uh, that's God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, every place. And so the attributes of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are all-powerful, all-knowing, every place. Uh, Psalms 139, I'm memorizing that chapter, and it says, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I go to the deepest ocean, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, you're there. Every place, in any place, you are there. That's an attribute of God, is omnipresent. And so Jesus... Uh, was God, and he had those attributes. Number three, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, the Father, of God the Father. So, <clears throat> we grow up and go to Sunday school, Awana, junior church, hear all those things, and we hear things, and sometimes we get words, but we don't exactly know what they mean. And so, if we did a little quiz this morning, and Miss Krause would give any of you that got it right $100, what does it mean to that Jesus is begotten? You memorize it in John 3, 16, the only begotten Son of God. Well, Jehovah Witness, Mormons would say that means that he was created at a beginning. Jesus isn't eternal. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my Son today? Today. That means there's a point at which it happens today. I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him 
He shall be a son to me. That occurred, that started, that role began not from the beginning, but at the point of Jesus being begotten. So does that mean he was created and before then he didn't exist? Psalms 2, 7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son today. Today, at this point, I have begotten you, the Father, begotten the Son. John 1, 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, speaking of Jesus, only begotten, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Number four, Jesus was begotten when he left heaven, became flesh, became exactly like us. I don't know if you think about that. I sometimes just sit and ponder and wonder and run things over in my head. And I think, how far was it? Jesus, infinite, almighty, omnipresent, omniscient God with the Father, and then he empties himself of those attributes, and not only becomes a person, but he enters into the womb of Mary as a single cell. How far are we talking here? That distance that he traveled. Long ways that he traveled. Um, John 1.14, the Word became flesh. Became flesh, dwelt among us. We saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Luke one thirty one. this is the event, the time, and behold, you, speaking to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And moving on to verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And and for that reason, the holy child should be called the Son of God. So if we were to explain that in scientific, biological ways, how would we do that? We can't. Uh, it's a mystery, but at that point, Almighty God, Jesus, infinite, always with the Father, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, all-knowing, emptied himself of all of that and became um, just a little cell in Mary. Number five, the begottenness of Jesus was a change in form, was a change in form and image. It was not his beginning. He was not created. So that statement there is a key that we understand that he, there was a change of form that took place, but was not his beginning. He was and always has been with the Father, equal with the Father, Almighty God. And he changed that form and became flesh. <clears throat> Hebrews 2.14, Therefore, since the children, that's me, that's you, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. He partook of the same. I mean, he chose to do and to become exactly like us, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Verse 17, therefore he had, he had, 
You know, I was up in Alaska fishing, and I was in the bathroom in this house that we stay in, fish camp, and I looked out the window, and there was a moose in the yard there, eating. It was close. Me to Jerry, out the window. He didn't know I was there. You ever look at a moose? They are like weird, <laughs> ugly. And you look at that, and you think, I wonder, you know, when God created the animals, did he just kind of, uh, I wonder why some are sort of normal and some are just like, Moose, weird, ugly. Did he do that just to, you know, express his creativity? I wonder why the moose looks like the moose. So when this salvation plan that we understand, when God came up with it, did he just say, let's see if we can come up with some weird thing? No. It's the only way. No other way. When the very beginning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit said, let's add to our family, as it were, create people like us that we can fellowship with. And so even God Almighty, when he's going to recreate himself, we're talking about major, major, major thing here, and lots are involved in this. And so the plan was create people, us, capable of growing in an environment, the world, with the perfect events and circumstances, everything needed so character can grow and change could transpire. And and we'll orchestrate the events in such a way that there'll be maximum growth. But we have to be choosing, responding, and God knew that sin would happen. He didn't make us sin. He didn't plan, but he knew that would happen. So there had to be a solution for that. And so it's fairly detailed, this whole thing of us becoming uh, children of God forever. He had, he had, there was no other way. He had to be made like his brethren in all things, in every detail, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That means he would pay the price of our sin. He would take care of it. He would move it out of the way so it wouldn't be a barrier or a problem for us being children of God. Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, see this change of form, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself, emptied himself, taking the form, the form of a bondservant in being made in the likeness of men. He was begotten, became flesh, became like us in every detail and in every way. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, you, Lord, in the beginning, in the beginning, that's before anything else existed, no angels, nothing, just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. That's Jesus. The heavens are the work of your hands. All the stars, you did it. They will perish, but you remain. They all will become old like a garment, like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed. But you, Jesus, are the same. Your years will not come to an end. Number six, Jesus' begottenness is permanent. That choice he made for us is not reversible. It's permanent. When he agreed to become like us, he was committing to that form and image for eternity. Why? Well, that's because he became like us so that we could become like him. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, when we see him, we will be like him. We will be like him. He will be like us. Speaking of his 
appearance because we will see him just as he is. Number seven, Jesus never stopped being God when he became flesh. He just temporarily set aside the attributes of God as he identified with us. So when Jesus was a baby, he was a baby. He wasn't just playing a role. He wasn't just uh, having a mask. He was full-blown baby with all the weaknesses and issues of a baby. He was God always, but he set aside the attributes, the power, the omniscient, the omnipresence attributes of God. Hebrews 2.9, but we do see him who was made for a little while, a little while, a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. He was made for a short time lower than the angels, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Number eight, Jesus has now, as the begotten Son of God, reclaimed the attributes of God while remaining like us. So he is God, has always been God. For a short time, he set aside the attributes, came down, became flesh, became a baby, lived like us in every detail, rose from the dead, And the attributes of God are his, but he's still the begotten. He's still like us. Hebrews 1, 3, and he is the radiance of his glory. He, Jesus, the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his nature. That's talking now. And upholds all things by the word of his power. Everything stays together, every atom by his power. When he had made purification of sins, mine and yours, when he... took care of those, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, basically meaning he had reclaimed all that he set aside. Number nine, Jesus, as a man, grew in character just like we do. He became perfect. That word means full-grown, mature. As a baby, when he was born, he had no character. You don't have any. He acquired that character as he lived life like we do. Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting... For him, for whom are all things and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, that's us, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings, to perfect, to make him mature. Jesus grew, changed uh, by life. Hebrews 5, 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And so he created us in his image and in his likeness with the capacity, the ability to grow and to change and to become uh, mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And uh, then Jesus emptied himself of all that he was as God, became flesh, lived among us, and all of that so that there's this fellowship, uh, this living together, understanding Number 10, the purpose for Jesus remaining the only begotten is for the sake of fellowshipping with us for all eternity. He became like us in order to know us. So how badly in the very beginning did God want to understand, know, fellowship, relate with us? I mean, it was an amazing price paid in an incredibly complicated plan that was set in motion simply for the basis of us living with him forever and ever and ever and ever. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 
Why? So we could be with him, so that we could know him, he could know us, we could fellowship. John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where I am, there you may be also. We'll be together forever and ever. Revelation 3.21, He who overcomes, I will grant to sit him to sit down with me on my throne, to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. John 17, the, the prayer of Jesus before his crucifixion, Father, I desire, I desire, this is Jesus expressing his heart, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me. That's me. That's what he wants. It's you. I desire that they be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father, although the world was not, has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known you, known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them, that there be this unity, this oneness, this fellowship forever and ever. Luke 12, 37, Blessed are those slaves whom the Master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Luke 22, You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You're going to be with me forever. John 15 Jesus said, No longer do I call you slaves, but for the slave does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends. I've called you friends. 1 Thessalonians 4:17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. We shall always be with him. Number 11, Jesus became like us in order to know us, and he desires that we would become like him so that we can know him so the closeness, uh, the more we are like each other, the more we understand and the more we enjoy, the more we enjoy each other. And so Jesus moved a tremendous distance, and he desires that we would do the same, that we would press on to become like him every single day of our life. Philippians 3, For whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, of knowing Him. That's not intellectual uh, information. That's knowing Him intimately. Paul says, I consider everything in life to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, gain Christ, and may be found by Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him, that I may know Him, have a relationship with Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, perfect, that is, like Him in character, but I press on, I press on. That's life. That's why we're here. That's what everything we do is about. Press on 
so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. One thing I do, one thing I do, most important thing in all of life, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on, I press on toward the goal, becoming like Christ in character. So he's given us the ability to grow. He's provided an environment, a world that puts all the right kinds of pressures on us to grow. And he orchestrates events And we have to choose to respond and to press on and to seek so that we can grow every day. Teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom to make the most of life so that we can become all that we can be so that when we step into glory, we are like him in character and he is like us. We enjoy him and he enjoys us and we live with him for eternity. Uh, That's what uh, life is about. Number 12, because Jesus suffered in the flesh and grew in character by the trials of life. He understands. He understands me. He understands you. He sympathizes with us and what we're going through. Not in the sense of, you know, uh, too bad, but in the sense of helping, being a partner. He helps. He guides. He gives us all that we need in this life. Isaiah 53, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised. We did not esteem him. You'd think that when God became man, at least he'd have a position of importance. At least he'd have some power and some money and, some, and be good-looking. But he uh, was a servant and despised by people. Hebrews 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, passed through the heavens, he left heaven, came to this world, and went back. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He totally understands us. 13, because Jesus totally understands what we are feeling and struggling with, he will be able to supply us with exactly what we need to succeed. He will give us what we need to succeed, but we need to seek him, draw near to him. See, when God came up with the prayer thing, it wasn't so that we could fix things. It was so that we could spend time with him and receive from him all that we need to live life with success and to grow as fast as possible. Hebrews 4.14, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, therefore, let's draw near. You do that by praying. Let's draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That's what we enter when we pray, the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. To help, we have everything that we need from him if we give him um, time in prayer. Hebrews 2.17, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation of the sins of the people for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted because he knows, he understands exactly what we need and when we need it, but he will give it to us when we seek him, draw near to him, fellowship with him. Number 14, we will forfeit all the blessings 
God has for us if we neglect spending time with him in prayer because we're too busy, too prideful, or we just can't seem to make it happen. You know, there's an awful lot of people who think, I can do it. I'm, I'm, I can pull this off. And uh, so God says, that's your choice. And uh, those who are humble recognize that apart from him we could nothing. Give him time, seek him in prayer, and continually every day say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need all your strength. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I want to grow rapidly. I want to serve well. I want to bear much fruit. And if I abide in you and seek you and draw, spend time with you, I will be able to grow and serve and to accomplish because you promised but we, we neglect, we ignore. Too busy, I'm doing a lot of stuff. Matthew 26, 40, he, Jesus, came to the disciples, found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for even an hour. That's basically probably the same thing he says today. Matthew 18, 20, for two or three have gathered together in my name. There I am, there I am. Revelation 3.20 is a great picture of prayer. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and we'll dine with him. Patty and I uh, celebrated our 49th wedding anniversary Friday. And uh, next year is 50, and we're going to go on a 100-mile canoe trip. So you say, really? Well, i got a year to talk her into it. It's been a while since you had a near-death experience. It's time for another one. And so we'll see. But uh, we went out to dinner, dined together. Uh, on our anniversary. And so Jesus says, I'll dine with you. I'll spend time with you. Uh, but you've you got to open the door. You have to make a choice. You've got to make it happen. Number 15, unless we make very specific goals in regards to spending time with Jesus in prayer, we'll pray little and struggle much. So you get up in the morning, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to go here, I've got to accomplish this, I've got to go to work. You get to the end of the day and you go to bed and you've done a ton of stuff, but you don't have any power because you didn't give Jesus much time. And if you don't commit to it, make it happen, plan it, you'll just do that every day. You'll use all your time up and give him nothing left over, convenient, comfortable, and you can't figure out why you struggle. Sixteen corporate prayer, praying together with our church family, the body of, uh, the, and bride of Christ, tremendously Let's see, let's back up. We'll make sure you get those. Corporate prayer, that's praying with others. By the way, I don't, you knew this, I think, didn't you? September 10th, that's just like not very far away. That's a Monday. September 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days of prayer. We're going to pray from 5 to 10 in the morning, 5 to 10 in the afternoon. Remember five, five days, five hours, five hours, five to ten, five to ten, Monday through Friday, September 10th through the 14th. There's a bunch of you that don't come to those because you're busy. You're doing a ton of stuff. You just don't have time. You gather with your church family, the Bride of Christ, and you spend some time praying. It's amazing what it does to uh, your private prayer life, how it just sort of fires it up, bolsters it, gives you greater faith. It makes a huge difference. But it'll come and go, and you won't do much unless you make a commitment, make a choice. Decide before you walk out of here today, what are you going to do, an hour a day, hour once, 
five hours a day. Uh, it's a great time. It'll transform your life. You don't have to pray out loud. You can just sit in the room and experience the presence of the Lord, listen to other people pray, and it makes a huge difference. It really does in your life. So you can take Jesus for granted. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Cool. And not give him much time, not think about him, not even ponder what he did for you, all that took place in order for us to be children of God. That was not like just God saying, okay, let's do this. It was fairly complicated because it's not an easy thing for a created being to be like God in character. It took some planning and some work, and we have to do quite a bit now to press on to become like him in character. So don't waste your life. Grow. Press on. Grow as much as you can every single day. He's given us everything we need to do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you very much. Thank you for loving us, creating us as an act of your will, working out all the details so that we can be like you, we can live with you, we can enjoy you, you can enjoy us. We don't come close to understanding all of that, but Lord, we do have a, a part in this plan, and that is we press on. We press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is, we, we seek you and we grow. We want to grow more every day. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us not to take you for granted. Help us to give you time uh, in the throne room of grace, seeking you, your face, your help, your strength, that we can know you intimately. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.